Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind once again taking your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and chapter number two. The book of Proverbs and chapter number two. We're still honoring and celebrating New Year's with our brand new theme dealing with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And our desire this year is to have wisdom, to obtain wisdom, to seek out wisdom. And so we want to follow what the Bible has to say about how do we get wisdom? Where do we get it from? How do we obtain it? We want to know all of those things. Well, this morning we took time to see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we explained a little bit about the fear of the Lord and seeking after God and knowing that we can have wisdom that comes from God, that it all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. And as we have God, we will have wisdom. Well, with that still in mind, notice with me in the book of Proverbs chapter number two, the book of Proverbs chapter two, and notice with me starting at verse one, Proverbs chapter two and verse one, my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou wilt incline thine ear unto wisdom and applying thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifted up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searcheth for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou, thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. And if you wouldn't mind, would you mark two things that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter number two, Proverbs chapter two, and notice with me in verse number five, where once again, we have the statement of the fear of the Lord, and then also tie in the knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. And with the Lord's help, we're going to understand these two things found in this passage here, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, we know that we've had a busy several days, a lot of things going on, some late nights, and then now some preparation. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would just give us once again a spirit of wakefulness, a spirit of anticipation, a spirit of seeking and desiring Lord, that these would not fall upon deaf ears, but they would be a help and that you would supernaturally enable us. Lord, I thank you for these good folks here and I'm asking that you would just fill them with your spirit as you fill me with your spirit. 
that you would open up your Bible, that you would let us search out and find the knowledge that you have available and the wisdom that you desire for us to have. We know that we cannot do this apart from you. So the best I know how, once again, I surrender myself to you, my thought, my minds, my desires, my ambitions, my goals, my strength, my tiredness, my alertness. I give it all to you and ask that you use it for the purpose of getting your own work accomplished tonight. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being such a wonderful God to us. In your name we pray. Amen. As we start off, the first thing I'd like to show you in this passage is searching for wisdom. Searching for wisdom. If we want to be wise, we must be receptive, responsive, and resolute. That if we want the wisdom that God desires for us to have, there's a part that we have to play. And in order to have that wisdom, we have to be receptive, we have to be responsive, and we have to be resolute. Let's take receptive first. We see this in verse number one. Notice this, my son, remember that Proverbs is a lot of times of Solomon pulling his son aside and trying to give him wisdom. So my son, if, notice that word if, we'll find this all throughout the first couple verses. My son, if, once again, we'll find the word if in verse three, yea, if, in verse number four, if, this word if carries the element of choice. If, if, if. This element of choice is part of the process of acquiring wisdom. Remember that God created people and not puppets. So we have the ability to think, to respond emotionally, to make decisions. That's part of what we have. And so if we're going to have wisdom, we first of all have to be receptive to, wit- to wisdom. There's a part for us to play this if, 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 my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Wisdom is available for, <laughs> to use by God's word and by the direction of God's Holy Spirit. Therefore, the wisdom must be received. What am I mean by that? Well, if wisdom comes from God's word and God's Holy Spirit, there's a part for us to play is that we have to be receptive. We have to be ready to receive it. What do I mean by that? Well, we've all read our Bible where our eyes touch every word in the page. We didn't receive anything. It was useless. It was just there. We weren't ready to receive it. You know, there is some preparation work. You could go into a church service and not be ready to receive anything. You could just be here and just have toothpicks holding your eyelids open. We've been there. We've been, we've been busy. We, we've been there. But if we're going to have wisdom, there has to be something in our part that we must be ready to receive. I mean, even with the idea of preparing to listen for a sermon, nobody knows what you're thinking right now. And aren't you glad for that? Because you could be looking at me and nodding your head and smiling because that's what people are supposed to be doing. But you could be thinking about some cartoon. You could be thinking about what you're going to have for supper later. You could be thinking about how great it'd be to be in your bed and to sleep for a long time. You could be thinking about all of these other things and not be receptive. 
if we're going to receive wisdom, there's a thing for us on our part to be receptive. My son, if thou will receive my words. Are you receptive? Wisdom must be received. Now, (laughs) I could have the most fantastic earth-shattering message, but if people aren't paying attention, it doesn't do them any good. They have to be ready to receive. There has a preparation. I cannot force feed it to you. And by the way, because of the element of choice, God will not force feed it to you. He makes it available, but if you won't receive it, you won't have it. It's pretty simple. Why is there some people that it seems like everyone in the world is witness to them and talk to them and they still don't get it? Because they won't receive it. They won't be open to it. They will not receive God's word. Well, that's not the only element that's needed if we're going to have wisdom. We first of all have to be receptive. A second thing is we have to be responsive. We have to be responsive. Notice with me in verse number two. (coughs) So that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest out after knowledge and lifted up thy voice for understanding. There's a responsive and active part for us to play. We need to have this active and determination. <coughs> an effort needs to be made for us to be acquainted to wisdom. You could hear wisdom and it could be the most wonderful thing you heard. You could even go, wow, and not do anything about it. You may hear the most earth shattering thing and you may even write it down as a note. But if you don't apply, If you don't apply, if you don't have a response to it, so that thou incline thine ear. This is a poetical way of saying, I'm leaning in to hear. You know, as a preacher, it's always encouraging to watch the audience. I'm going to put cameras up one day, just so you could see the different things. And I understand we have tired services where it's, and the whole crowd's doing that. When, When the whole crowd's doing that, it makes it kind of tough. There are some times where we got lots of visitors and there's more unspiritual people than spiritual people. And that's a different type of thing. There's a type where people are bored and they're all writing something and you know it's not notes because, you know, doodles and whatnot and daydreaming. Every once in a while you get the guy who sneaks in the phone and they're beeping on the back and you know they're not getting it. But then there's services where people are at the edge of their seat and they're inclining air. They're, they're leaning in into it. That they're, they're not writing anymore. They're, they're looking. They want to hear what's next. There's something to it of active listening that I'm just not listening for enjoyment. That's sitting back. But when I'm sitting forward, And I want to hear what's next. I want to grab a hold of it. I'm ready for it. There's a responsiveness to getting wisdom. And it goes with what am I going to do with this message? Not just getting information. Anyone could get information. What am I going to do with this? How will I apply myself? So that thou incline thy ear to wisdom and apply thine heart 
to understanding. There is a responsive part. If we're going to receive wisdom, there has to be, first of all, a receiving, a receptiveness. There needs to be a responsiveness that we're prepared to do something with this. And then there's a a resoluteness, a resolute. Notice with me in verse number four. If thou seekest her, this is with the idea of wisdom. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Both of those things of mining for silver or or finding hidden treasures, both call for a determining, determined resolve. You know, I don't know how you were when you were kids, but every kid's dream, every boy's dream was to find the treasure map. And if I could find X marks the spot and you would go over and try to find out where it is. And if you thought that's where it is, you'd be willing to dig or to do whatever it could to get to that treasure. There was a determinedness there. Well, if people were seeking for wisdom with that same determinedness, we would have wisdom. You know, so often in where idea of mining that you can mine and quit right before you hit the diamonds. That you could stop drilling right before you hit the oil. That we seem to quit right <laughs> at the spot where it's right there and we just stop. With the idea of wisdom, God did not make wisdom where it just passed out. There is a searching nature for wisdom. He wants us to put forth the effort to look for it, to search for wisdom, that we could have it. And we have to be determined that we're going to look for it. You know, that means that it's just not going to come passively. That someone's going to come and hit you in the face with wisdom and you're going to, whoa! There is an idea that you need to be looking for wisdom. That's why sometimes God puts pressure on people to make them where they're willing to do the work to find answers, to look for something that's going on. If we're going to have wisdom, there has to be a determination, a resoluteness. I am going to find something. Even just taking that simple thing, how different would your Bible reading be if you determined that you were going to read your Bible every day until God gave you something? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going until I find something. Do you think you'd find something more often? Absolutely. You see, there's an idea that we have a part to play. If, if, if there's something for us to do. It's not just passive. God has made wisdom so it's available. But he wants us to put forth the effort to find it. Which then brings us not only this idea of searching for wisdom, but then we find the source of wisdom. The source of wisdom. Notice with me in verse number five. Then, whenever you go into the Bible, it's interesting to find these if-then statements. If you do this, then this is what's going to happen. All throughout the Bible, you find these if-then statements. Well, in verse two, or verse one, we had if, and verse three, we had if, and verse four, we had if. If we met these conditions, then, then shalt thou understand 
the fear of the Lord. Now we described the fear of the Lord this morning. That the fear of the Lord is an emotional response we have from the knowledge of God. Here it says, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. Remember the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Once we have the fear of the Lord and we start searching for wisdom, then you understand the fear of the Lord even more. Why is it that I want to be pleasing to the Lord? Oh, why is it that I feel led to do this? Oh, that understanding comes along with that knowledge of God. And notice this, and find the knowledge of God. Remember, it all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. What happens when you have wisdom and you get more understanding? You know more about God. You see, it all begins with God. It all ends with God. Wisdom is put with God. You cannot have wisdom outside of God. They're, not, they're inseparable. They are the same thing. That Christ is the source of wisdom. When we hear and receive God's words, hide his commandments in our hearts and apply our hearts to understanding and ask earnestly for divine wisdom, we'll be on our way of understanding the fear of the Lord. When we have the fear of the Lord, we understand more about who God is because God is the origin of wisdom. Notice in verse six, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Notice that knowledge and understanding didn't come from the politicians. Knowledge and understanding didn't come from the philosophers. They didn't come from the educators. They didn't come from the scientists. True wisdom comes from God. Notice in verse 7. He layeth up sound wisdom. This phrase layeth up is an interesting phrase, it carries with it the idea to hide as one hides a treasure. He layeth up sound wisdom. So he puts sound wisdom and he puts it in a place where it can be found, but you have to look for it. It's not just there up on the shelf, it's here up on the shelf. You have to look for it. You may have to move the ketchup bottle to see behind it. Have you ever look in the refrigerator and open it up and you can't find it? And it's right behind something that's right there. <laughs> he wants us to put forth the effort to look for it. He lays it aside. He puts for it. The wicked could look for wisdom, but they can't find it because they're looking at the wrong places. Because even the righteous have to dig for wisdom, have to search for it, look for it. This phrase of the idea of found wisdom we find throughout the Bible that someone found wisdom, it carries the idea of stability. That when I found wisdom, I'm now stable. I'm no longer on a miracle route, um, a roller coaster ride. I'm no longer in a pitching ship. I'm stable now. Now that I found wisdom, I have what I need to be planted. I have what I need. And wisdom only comes from God. T.H. Huxley is a very important name inside of quote-unquote science and philosophy. He was often known as Darwin's bulldog. 
that Darwin came up with the theory of evolution as it is stated today in modern idea, but it was Huxley who was the one who propagated it. Huxley was very brilliant and very well thought. He could out-argue, out-reason anybody out. He, that's why he was known as his um, <laughs> Darwin's bulldog, that he by himself had really just sh- uh, shoved the theory of evolution down people's throat and did it with such uh, brilliance that people accepted it because he was clearly smarter than everyone else. Well, T.H. Huxley was living in a small little country town in England for a while. And there was one day he saw a man he began to be friends with and he says, I bet you're going to church. And he said, yes, sir. He says, why don't you skip church today and come to my house and let's talk about your religion. And the man said, no, no, Mr. Huxley, you're much smarter than I. It just wouldn't go anywhere. You'd definitely be able to out-argue me and it'd be no purpose. Huxley said, how about this? Why don't you come to my house and skip service and tell me how your religion changed you? Well, the man said, I'll take you up on that. And so he went to Huxley's house and began to explain how he was a sinner needing a savior. But Jesus Christ, who was God, came from the glories of heaven and came down in this life and died for him. And there was a time where someone shared with him the gospel and showed him from the Bible that Jesus died for him. And that man had accepted Christ as a savior and his life had changed. With a hint of a tear in Huxley's eye at the end of it, Huxley said, I'd give my right hand if I could believe that. Think about that. Here's a man who was considered one of the smartest men who lived. Very much an intellectual uh, giant who could out-argue and very much propagate the idea of evolution. But yet when someone presented wisdom to him, he, with just a tear in his eye, I wish I could believe that. I wish I could believe that. You see, all of his arguments all of his philosophy, all of his quote-unquote science didn't give him hope. He was missing something and he knew it. Not enough that he was willing to surrender what he believed, but he wished he could. You see, he was missing wisdom because wisdom comes from above. Wisdom comes from God and we have to go to God to get true wisdom. Notice as the Bible continues on, In verse number seven, he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity and yea, every good path. Here it says, when we get wisdom with the wisdom, God protects us. God sets up our path. He protects. He gives us the way that we need to go. It's what we need. We need wisdom. Now, oftentimes in the book of Proverbs, we could often put a Bible story along with it that illustrates this. Is there a Bible story where we could find someone that God used, that sought for God for wisdom, received wisdom, and God protected their steps, that God kept them being safe? Well, we find this in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. Now there are certain chapters that every Christian needs to know. 
in 1 Samuel chapter number uh, 18 or 17, we have David and Goliath. In 1 Samuel 18, we have the continuation of that story. Here is David who has just slain Goliath. Remember, no one would go out there to face the giant. And here this small, ruddy boy goes out, young teenager, goes out, fights a man of war, a giant that's about nine foot tall. And with God's power, he defeats them. Now, there's the aftermath of this. Let's imagine today, we take one of today's teenagers and they saw a great victory. How do you think that teenager would behave afterwards? He slew the giant and no one else would. How do you think today's teenager would go? Well, let's see what David does. Notice if you don't mind in chapter 18, and let's look at a couple different spots in here. Notice with me in verse number five. First Samuel 18 and verse five. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. So Saul's the king and David said, all right, whatever you tell me to do, you're the boss. And behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of the people and the sight of Saul's servants. Now, may I remind you, he's a teenager. And because he behaved himself wisely, Saul put him in charge. But not only did he put him in charge, he was accepted. Now, take today's teenager who just won this great victory and they would be doing an end zone dance and then tweeting about their victory And then telling everyone how great they are. And then if they were put in charge of something, they would still rub everyone's face in there and say how great they are. Hey, you know what? I'm the one that defeated Goliath. You should obey me. Of course you need to obey me. (laughs) Yeah, same thing will happen to you. But not David. He behaved himself wisely. Now, all of us know as older people how hard it is to have a teenage boss. Some punk kid trying to tell me what to do. But David was accepted of the people because he behaved himself wisely. So after a victory, David behaved himself wisely. God guarded his path. Well, Saul the king began to get jealous because he heard the songs that Saul had killed his thousands, but David of his ten thousands. And jealousy began to work inside of Saul. And bitterness began to work inside of Saul. And Saul took a javelin and tried to stab David. You take today's teenager. How would they respond to a death threat? Or someone hurting their feelings or saying that you're, you're just not a good person. Much less trying to kill them. And now there's no safe space to go to. I'm sorry. <laughs> How in the world would a today's teenager respond? Not well to a threat. But how did David respond? Notice with me in verse number 14. In fact, verse 11 for context. And Saul cast a javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. May I tell you, this happened twice. I meant one thing, but the second time Saul tried to kill him. Now, (laughs) again, one time is enough 
But do you imagine trying, someone trying to kill you twice and they're your boss and you can't do anything about it? And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Here, God is protecting David's path, just like he promised he would. And was departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand. No, notice this. Twice Saul tried to kill him. And when he saw he tried to kill him, he promoted him. You're general. Good job. We know that Saul was pretty much bipolar just because of his sin nature. He was issues. And so he made him captive over a thousand. He went out and came in before the people. And notice this, the second time this phrase is used in this chapter, and David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. A third time this was used. So here is David, killer of Goliath. And he behaved himself wisely, so much so that people accepted him. When authority was wrong and tried to disrupt him, he didn't use that as a thing to rebel against authority. He still obeyed, uh, behaved himself wisely. And the Lord was with him. So much that Saul was afraid of him, promoted him and said, you know what? I'm not touching him. There's something special about him. And then they have the idea that David fell in love with um, Saul's daughter. Now, Saul was not very much a fan of this. So Saul came up with a dowry for the purpose of killing David. He said, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to grab the uh, foreskins of a hundred Philistines. And David said, all right, that's what you want. Comes back and he gets twice as much. The Philistines were not a fan of David. Very much so. And so he comes back. And how is David responding? Verse number 30. um, And the princes and the Philistines went forth and it came to pass as they went forth that David behaved himself wisely. More wisely than all the servants of Saul so his name was much to be set by. Over and over in here it is talking about how David behaved himself wisely. What he did is he sought himself to find wisdom, to receive wisdom, to to respond to wisdom. And he was resolute to find it. When he had it and got a knowledge of God, God was with him. God protected his steps. God guarded him. Even against foes, against Pride, by the way, that was God who protected David from bragging to everyone about how he killed Goliath. It was God that helped him to behave himself wisely when he was put in charge of people who were twice as old as him. He behaved himself wisely. It was God that did that when he had a boss that was against him. And he behaved himself wisely. When people were trying to set him up to fail... He behaved himself wisely. And God protected his steps. These promises are still for us. This is a principle that we find in the Bible. That as we seek for wisdom, it doesn't mean we have the absence of problems. It means we'll be wise about the problems that come to us. And as we behave ourselves wisely, God will protect and guard our steps. 
This is the benefits of wisdom. This is the benefits of knowing God and finding him and having the knowledge of him. But there is, as we said at the beginning, our part. God's the one who protects our steps. God's the one who guards our path. He's the one who becomes a shield and a buckler. Our part is to be receptive. Our part is to be at the place where we respond. And our part is to be resolute, to continue to find and dig for that wisdom and not stop until we have it. You can have wisdom. And God wants you to have wisdom. But he's made it so you have to search for it. So you have to put in some work, some effort, so that way you could appreciate having it. God has it available. He's not going to hide it from you or keep it from you, but he wants you to put forth the effort to look. As we begin this new year, and as we're looking for wisdom for ourselves, we have a part to play. And if we don't have wisdom, may I say it's not God's fault, but there's something wrong with us of not being prepared to receive it and not applying it when we get it. Let's determine that we're going to keep our eyes on God and that we're going to be ready every time the Bible's open, every time the preaching is here, ready to grab what God has given to us. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.